This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Okay, welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. Radio Sport, well, on Wednesday mornings uh, after 10, we always catch up with our coaching guru, our man uh, who at the moment has been spending his time uh, travelling around the UK. Wayne Goldsmith, of course, is who I'm talking about. His website is wgcoaching.com. Uh, I guess having been on the road for so long, Wayne, you probably wake up each morning and what have to check the uh, have to check the stationery beside your bed in the in the motel or the hotel you're in to find out what town you're in. The, the sad thing, Pony, is that that's not funny because that's what happens. That I've just checked into a hotel around an hour sort of southwest of London, and I have to stop for a minute. Hang on a minute, where am I? And I have to go over and check the room service menu because. I was hoping that it would have the name of the hotel on the front. So apparently, I'm in a place called Basingstoke, uh, which is down in Hampshire, and I'm on the way to Devon. And I mentioned that to my daughter this morning when I was on the phone, and she said, Dad, make sure you get sauce on your Devon. So my kid's sense of humour hasn't changed, <laughs> and uh, hopefully mine has. All right, let's talk a bit about what you've been doing over the last week since, um, since last we had you on the air. I know you've spent some time... Uh, with the Football Association. What sort of things have you been uh, doing? Uh, has it been mainly observing? And, and what have you observed during your time with the uh, with the Football Association in, in London? Well, that's been over the last few days. I got very, very fortunate that an old friend of mine has got a lot of uh, strong connections in the FA, and that's opened up a few doors that I, I've always wanted to open. One was I got the chance on Sunday to go to Old Trafford. And a little bit of a sporting pilgrimage, I think, for a lot of people to go there and see Manchester United play at Old Trafford. And I got to sit in the director's box, so very, very well positioned. But around me was some of the who's who of who's played for Manchester United over the last 20, 30 years. So I had talent scouts there that had worked with them through the 70s and 80s. So Alex Ferguson was only a few metres away and it was quite amazing to have the sea of red there. They lost the game. Cardiff got up and with a much better team on the day. But just to be there with 75,000 screaming Manchester United and Cardiff fans was something I won't forget. That was, if you like, that was a little bit of uh, the touristy side. And I had to wear a jacket and a red tie and all the other things. But what I really enjoyed was then I travelled down to the FA's National Football Academy where I've been for the last two days. And that was quite remarkable. There's words that really scream out to me, pointing your attention to detail. And to give an example, that they've got a, a field there. They've got, well, they've actually got 13 fields at the National Football Academy. But one of them is an exact replica of Wembley. The ground surface is the same, the quality of the grass, the length of the grass, the drainage system is exact because when the English... Team go there, the English football team go there to train, that they want to be able to then go straight to Wembley and 
compete in the international, having had two or three weeks preparing on identical service. So just great attention to detail. Absolutely fantastic. I'm I'm curious about the FA because obviously you talk about an academy and developing players. Do they give equal care to developing their coaches? Has that been been what you've observed, or is there a lot more resource put into developing players? Well, a little bit of both, and it's a question that I've always wanted to ask as well, Pine, is that. You know, there's not too many Australian kids or New Zealand kids who sit around dreaming of swimming for England and not too many people around the world dream of maybe cycling for England. But, gee, there's a lot of kids all over the world that would love to go and play football in England or even for England if they're particularly from a Commonwealth nation. And I've always been of the opinion that player development wasn't a high priority because the EPL teams can buy almost anyone they want from anywhere in the world. But yeah, I was surprised. I, there is a increasing commitment to developing players, an holistic approach that you and I have spoken about many times, looking at values and virtues and independence and all those little things. But yeah, they're investing significant amount of time and resources into coach development. In fact, that was based on what I did yesterday. We talked to their coach developers about where I think coach development is heading. Uh, there was UEFA training course going on at the time for coaches and I, I saw a little bit of that in action and I was very pleased to see that most of it is field based, most of it is coaches on the field actually coaching and not as much as you might think in the classroom but yeah, the huge investment at that centre for players and coaches and I think one of the most exciting things for me, putting my tourist hat back on for a moment, Tiny, was they have an autograph wall and on the autograph wall is everybody who's visited the centre who's an elite player or an elite athlete. So they had Andy Murray there and they had Daley Thompson, the great athlete, and they had his Royal Highness Wills, who just signed Wills on the wall, which was pretty good. But as a football nut, I was very excited to see Lionel Messi and Suarez and Wayne Rooney and Ronaldo and all those images, uh, signatures on the wall as well. So i got to admit, I did play tourist for a moment and did take more than one or two photos. I can imagine. Uh, as you travel around, and not just at the FA, but let's use the FA as an example. I mean, here's a here's an organisation operating, you know, with a at a very elite level. You know, England World Cup semi finalists uh, last year. Are they open enough to sharing knowledge with you, or is there a bit of territory guarding going on? Well, look, I'm fortunate again because I've had a connection with one of the real masterminds behind the FA Academy, a guy called David Sheepshanks, who was the president and chairman of Ipswich Town Football Club, and he was actually the president chairman of the FA itself for a few years. One of those fluky things that happened that many, many years ago, it might have even been 25 years ago, when I was working in Canberra and working for Swimming Australia and had a very close connection with the Australian Institute of Sport, he came out on a bit of a research tour because he was trying to improve the professionalism of football in the UK, and, and the perception at the time, and I think it was reality at the time, the AIS was, without doubt, the leading high-performance institute in the world. And he came out a bit of a fact-finding mission, and somehow I ended up as his personal guide around the high-performance environment in Canberra. And, of course, I had to then extend personal courtesy for a few beers and a little bit of social life in Canberra. And we've stayed in contact over that time. That's been a great association, I think, for both of us. And it allowed him then to introduce me to the head of the football academy and to open some other doors. 
So I found them very, very open. Uh, I approached it very much as a information exchange. I had to do a little presentation on some of the things I'd been doing for their leadership group, uh, with their coaching group, and then with their sports science, sports medicine team. And in return, it was a very open and honest and reciprocal exchange of ideas. So, yeah, look, I'd have to say it was very open. I don't know if everybody would get that on. It's very much, I think, a matter of who you know in that case. But uh, I found them to be very switched on and, and certainly world-class in every detail. Another thing you've been doing uh, over there is travelling around um, Ireland, of course, and, and I know that uh, you've been in touch with, uh, with a number of uh, Irish rugby coaches. That brings, uh, brings us into firm focus, obviously, this year with a Rugby World Cup coming up. What sort of, without giving away any secrets, of course, Wayne, what sort of feel do you get from, from Irish, uh, Irish rugby people around, around their side's chances at the World Cup later in the year, with particular reference, I guess, to, to trying to knock the All Blacks off? Well, I, I thought what I saw was the nation doing a lot of things very, very well. They, I, I was fortunate enough to be asked to open the Irish Rugby Union Coaches Conference. And in the process, just before I got up, they did a 10-minute spell on what they've been doing. And I mean, it was, it was very impressive, Pony, that if you look at what they're doing in coach development, the development of the, the women's game, their sevens game, their juniors, their junior academies, the standard of football, I'm very fortunate that I got to spend a lot of time with Andy Friend, who's an Australian he's the head coach at Connacht over in Galway, and a little bit of time with the head coach of Ulster, which is based in Belfast. And next week, I'm going to go back to Dublin again on the weekend, and I'll get a chance to catch up with the head coach of Leinster, who had just gone down to... Um, I just can't remember them. <laughs> just they lost on the weekend to Saracens. That's right. They just got beaten by Saracens on the weekend, but they've performed very well here. I'm seeing a very vibrant rugby community, a very uh, an outstanding, very very switched on rugby coaching community, and I couldn't be more impressed with them. They were um, maybe like of all the rugby nations I've seen in the last two or three years. I think looking at the overall picture of what they're doing across the board. They've impressed me more than anybody, and I do include, of course, the mighty NZRU. But uh, they're doing a lot of very good things, and um, and I, what I've been most impressed with was their commitment, again, to coach development and to junior player development. There's a, there's a real coordination and a synergy right across Irish rugby that I think we could all learn from. With so much going on in your itinerary, and as you mentioned at the start of the chat, you know, waking up and just sort of having to having to check where you actually are each day, how do you keep your energy levels high? Because, you know, you're doing presentations, you're meeting people, they're meeting you once, you get one chance, I guess, to, to make an impression, to make a presentation, whatever it is. But but and it, it must be physically and mentally taxing for you, Wayne. How do you how do you keep your enthusiasm and your uh, your energy levels high? Well, I think you've answered your own question, Pony, that the whole reason that I've always been in this is it's just brilliant to mix with other people and people who are motivated. You know, even today I got to spend a few hours with some amateur swimming coaches over in the, the east, over in Suffolk. And, you know, they're, they're, even though for me it was a little bit of a drive to get there in a bit of an early morning, but... There were, I was walking out the door getting in the car and they were still asking me questions. <laughs> and their enthusiasm and their passion, 
when you use the word energy, I use it in the terms that that if you meet people who are draining your energy and they're not giving you anything back, it can be difficult. And from time to time, I'm in those environments. But all I've experienced here has been very positive, enthusiastic, and they're giving me energy. And every time I stand up and every time that I've got a chance to work with the coaches and athletes here, it's invigorating. But there's been a couple of times, I have to admit, where the two little voices are going on in your head about this is tiring, you're exhausted, you're sleepy, you don't really want to be here. And the other side says, come on, mate, you've got to get up, you've just got to do it. And as soon as you've got that contact with the people, the energy just lifts and you go through the roof. But I find, point it's not the job, it's not the work, it's not the people. That's all very invigorating. It's the travel, it's the bags on and off the, the um, elevators, it's the bags on and off the planes, it's getting on and off. It's just that relentless travel schedule that breaks me down. I think I've got to become rich and famous and travel with an entourage and they can do it all for me. So maybe my next one. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I'm sure that will uh, will happen in time. So uh, so I know you are coming towards the end of your time there. And look, I mean, it's been wonderful to be able to continue to chat to your Wednesday mornings here in New Zealand. Uh, you mentioned a, a, a trip to Leinster. Um, what else is, is on your agenda in the next week or so? Oh, just another crazy week on... Uh, uh, I'm down in Devon tomorrow, Devon with Force, as my daughter calls it, and then I'm in Dublin from Thursday night, Friday, and I'm opening the Irish Swimming Cases Conference, which is a wonderful honour to be asked to do that, catching up with some old friends on Saturday. I hope to catch up with the Australian election, if I can, as the Australian Federal Election is Saturday, and I voted at Australia House last week, and I look forward to seeing what the outcome may be. On Sunday, I'm having a, just a straight social, no work involved lunch with Eddie Jones, catching up with Eddie, someone I worked with years ago, and uh, that's always exciting. And then Monday till Friday next week, I'm in Wales, working in Cardiff with Sport Wales across a whole range of sports. And then I wrap up next weekend with a two-day swimming clinic in London before leaving the old dark, the old blighty, as they say, on Monday the 27th and hopefully for a few days rest. And I'd like to tell you that I can have a good sleep on the plane and I'm up the point again, but I'd be lying. I'm travelling home on a frequent flyer point <laughs> and uh, basically I'm as far back on the plane as you can get. I think I can see the exhaust from out the back window that uh, I'll be looking for. By that stage, I, I won't care. And by the point I'm going to Dublin, but I had a great joke that Kevin told me the other day. He said, did you know that Dublin is the world's fastest-growing city. And I was a bit stunned when he said that. And he said, yes, because every time you come, it's Dublin and Dublin and Dublin. <laughs> and uh, that's about the least funny joke I've heard on tour. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, go and get a, uh, go and get a pint of Guinness and, uh, and sleep well. We'll look forward to catching up with you a week from now when you'll be in, uh, in Wales. Hope you can, uh, you can find the time to, to chat to us, as you always have. But uh, always uh, invigorating to catch up with you on the radio, Wayne. Thanks for your time, as always. Thank you, Pony. On next week, it'll be my birthday. I'll be in Cardiff, and it'll be a week from leaving to go home. It'll be very exciting. <laughs> Good stuff, mate. Look forward to chatting then. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com. Listener.